Podcast about a single woman's journey to finding and keeping her happy in a world that idolizes marriage and caters to twos. Hosted by the smart, sassy, and unapologetically candid Stacy J. Johnson. Hello, Justina. Hey, Stacy. How are you today? I am good. You How are. Good. What makes you so good today? I am good because I'm living. It is, we're coming up on a new year soon, yeah, and yeah. you know, 2017 was good. 27, yeah, 27. I mean, you graduated, yeah. got this good job, girl, you doing it. <laughs> Trying. You're doing it, okay. Yeah. Oh my gosh, well, what have I been up to? You know what, honestly, I have, I, um, I did a fast. Okay. Or whatever, and you know, everybody knows me that knows, you know, I drink wine, honey. Mm-hmm. I'm all about my wine. Ooh. Okay, girl. Wine down Wednesday. Yes, honey, but I fasted. <laughs> oh. I fasted okay. and I let the wine go for 14 days. Oh, wow. Yes, I sure did. That. And I would see there was a bottle in the refrigerator that I didn't finish before because, you know, I was guzzling it down the night before. <laughs> but it was a bottle in the refrigerator and I saw it and I wanted to drink and I uh-huh. said, you know what? I told God that I wasn't going to drink for 14 days because of something that I wanted him to, you know, give me clarity about. Okay. And um, now I don't even think about, like, I guess, I don't know. They say it takes 30 days to break a habit, Uh you know. And I just, I'm, I'm not drinking. It sounds wow. like I'm a, like I'm talking about like I was an alcoholic <laughs> or something. But, you know, I do believe in every night, you know, having a glass of wine before I go to bed. Yeah. It was just a habit more than anything. Just to debrief the day. Yeah. And, yeah. yeah. I just sit down and have some wine. But I, I stopped for 14 days. Wow. Yeah, and I feel good. Okay. How I mean, actually, I don't feel no different, child. But <laughs> let me just stop. Oh, God. I don't feel no different, but what I am happy is mm-hmm. that I made a commitment and to God and I it. followed through. Yes. And that bottle of wine is still in the refrigerator. And you can enjoy it now that the fast is over. Hey girl. I may oh. buy you a bottle of wine. Girl, stop. <laughs> I'll tell you the kind I like. So anyway, today on Single Girls Talk, I'm so excited. We have Baya. She's going to talk about the art of connection. Did you know there was an mm. art in connecting? I've heard about it. You have heard about this art of connection. You're going to (laughs) learn more about the art of connection up next during Single Girls Talk. Can't wait. Can't wait either. All right. Keep listening. Oh, my gosh, everybody. You're going to be so excited today on Single Girls Talk. I have Bea Boche. She spent most the past decade teaching people how to improve their relationships. Now, some of you may notice Bea from MTV's The Real World, and that's actually what propelled her into studying relationships and human connection through psychology, emotional intelligence, and body language. She's also been featured TEDx talk speaker. That's where I was introduced to her. Her talk was called The Simple Cure for Loneliness. She's the host of The Art of Connection, a weekly show in partnership with ABC4 Utah, exploring basically how to improve relationships with ourselves and our partners. Bea, welcome to Stacey J. Sounding Off. How are you today? I'm so great. I'm really excited for this. Awesome. First of all, girl, congratulations. Okay, so your your TED Talk has 2 million plus views. How does that feel? I know. Well, to be honest, it's kind of crazy. Um, (laughs) 
I, you know, because the, the whole TED thing is so interesting because your talk kind of has two lives, right? Like you do the live performance, and then you know it's going to go on and live online, and you have no clue what it's going to do. And so I remember the first day it was posted, I went to bed, it had like 500 views, and then I woke up and it had like 5,000. And I was like, what in the world? You know, I didn't promote it. I had no idea. And then it just kept growing. Um, so it was it was a really cool experience. And I still get people, you know, I did it kind of this time last year is when I spoke. Um, and I still get people reaching out to me and saying how much that talk impacted them. So it's been pretty powerful. I can tell you one of the things that really attracted me to your TEDx, and I can tell, I've listened to it several times, is how Aww. you define rituals. Yeah, how you define rituals. And usually when I think of rituals, I think of religious rituals, and, you know, I have to talk like this yeah. when I'm talking about them, you know. But you were talking about, you gave it, <laughs> so when you know rituals. But um, <laughs> you talked about them from a non-religious place, which you gave them, you called them anchors of connection. You talked in the TEDx about how important having these rituals are to our lives. Let's talk about that. You know, when I was developing the talk, um, I knew I wanted to talk about loneliness and, um, and connection just because it's, loneliness is so relevant um, and common. And so when I kind of just took a step back and looked into my own life, I was like, what are the things that make me feel the most connected? What are the things that I'm doing that, that actually bring me the most happiness? And as I looked in my life, I was like, you know, it's not the big trips. It's not the promotions. It's not even getting on the TEDx stage, right? It's the small things that I'm doing on a daily or a weekly basis that actually mm -hmm. have the biggest impact on my overall success and happiness. So I looked at this in my own life, and then I started to look at it in, um, in literature. I started to look at it within my friends. I started doing a ton of research on it, and I was like, oh, this isn't just me. This is, this mm -hmm. is, this is everywhere. Um, and so I, I use the word ritual because when you think about the small things that you're doing, if you do them every day but there's no intention behind them, like you can eat dinner with your family every day and it might bring you connection and it might not. What separates something from just being done on a daily or a weekly basis and what what to me is a ritual is the intention that you bring to that. So if you are having mm. dinner with your family every, every single night and your intention is to connect with your family, that's exactly what will happen. If you have dinner with your family night and you're all in front of the TV, there's not really any connection there and it's not going to curb any sort of loneliness. So it probably won't be an anchor of connection. I think that I think that's so interesting because that's true. You're saying it's the intention behind it, so basically, you're not telling people, okay, now we have to go out and find these rituals that we can have, make a connection through. It's basically involving something. The ritual can come from involving yourself in something that you already do, but changing the intention behind it to connect. Exactly. And in fact, that's the call to action of the talk. And we have, listen, like, there is so much information out there about how to be a better you, how to date better, love better, be prayer, skinny, whatever, right? And it can be really, really overwhelming. So I think for me what it comes down to is we all have rituals in our lives. We probably just aren't looking at them that way. So, for instance, I have a girls' night that I do on Monday nights, 
And Mm -hmm. I didn't necessarily look at that as a ritual, but as soon as I started thinking about what that gave me, how much, how much that fed me for the rest of the week that really like, it was like, oh my goodness, of course this is the case because our intention is to get together and connect. So that's not something new I did. That was something that I had already been doing, but that once I started bringing intention to, started filling me up even more. Are there any particular, when you look at this ritual and you involve this intention, is there anything particularly because you said something about how it feeds you for the next week? Are there some key points that we should look at on making one thing a ritual and something else not? Like, for instance, watching TV. I was thinking that could be a ritual just because if you're watching it with your, your family and it's a family programming show that it involves the kids and things like that, maybe that could be a ritual. But because it's not, like you said, you're not connecting. So is there a certain... Um, you said, is, is there certain, uh, are there any points that we can look at or any tools that we can look at when we're looking to make certain things in our lives a ritual, per se? Well, I think it's tricky to, to say, like, an overarching statement, but here's what I would say. When, mm-hmm. like, this, this is where it takes your own self-reflection and, and a level of self-awareness and just a level of knowing who you are and what fills your cup. Because for some people, when they come home, the only thing they want to do is watch TV. And in fact, that relaxes them and that does fill their cup so that when they go to work the next day, they can be really present mm. and they're not feeling overwhelmed. So, but for Got it. People, you said something so us, interesting, filling your cup. I love that. Filling mm-hmm. your cup. That's a tweetable moment if I was Oprah right now. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, totally. Well, well, because that's really what you're looking for when it comes to when it comes to building rituals is what is it that fills your cup? Because what fills your cup is not going to be the same thing that fills mine. And if you know, mm-hmm. if you're aware of yourself enough to know, hey, listen, like for some people, watching TV might actually breed loneliness. But for me, it really relaxes me. It makes it so that I'm going to shut off. And so whenever I watch that weekly series, whatever it is, oh, my goodness, I actually now relax because I, that's now an anchor um, for relaxation. And that's great. For a lot of people, the TV, just like social media, it's actually a distraction to, to not connect. With, the, with your boy, with your partner, your boyfriend, yeah, your partner. Okay. So we created that ritual because we felt like, okay, how can we close out the day with something that feels, you know, like we, we close out the day with intention. And the most interesting part about this was that on the days that we weren't fighting, you know, that we were fine and whatnot, it was actually really, it, like, it was fine. It was great, whatever. But the most powerful times that we did this were really when we weren't doing okay, when we were arguing, and we had to look at each other and find the good, when literally that was the last thing either, you know, myself or he wanted to do at that moment, and we had to really be like, okay, I'm going to put my own stuff aside, and like, here I go. I have to say something kind about you. Really hard at the beginning, and then got easier and easier. But what so what the research shows, really, especially when it comes to divorce and breakups, et cetera, is that when, that again, 
it's not the big things that are going to make or break a relationship. It's not like he's going to get you the wrong present and you're pissed or he's going to cancel a vacation and, and you get divorced. It's the small things that are happening on a daily or a weekly basis that are actually the things that are going to lead to, again, either your success or your failure. Um, and failure is not really the right word. Maybe demise or whatever it is. Um, and and mm-hmm. so this was just the, one of the small ways that we found to create intention and, and to breed connection in our relationship. I think what's really interesting is, and what really, like you just said, made it work is, and, and it's not just in the relationships with your boyfriend, but it was, even in your life, is really the intention to make a connection is what I think is key for us to remember when we are either in its relationship with someone else, meaning your partner or who you're dating or, or your relationship with yourself, meaning what you need to fill your tank up to go into the next week or into the next day. It's putting that intention to connect. And I think that's really the key thing that you are kind of thing, hey, guys, you know, you can do anything anyway without any intention, but if you're going to spend time with your girlfriends and let's put some intention to really connect behind that and let's commit to it on a weekly basis so that then it does in the long run make you happier. It makes you feel better about even when there is a problem because you have something to look forward to. Or, and then with your partner, it seems like it works equally and it makes sense that, oh, my God, if it's good, I mean, okay, of course I can tell her all the great, wonderful things I do like about her. But if it's bad and I'm mad, then, oh, God. But I'm committed to you, Bea, so then I'm going to do this because this is the ritual that we, in the relationship, that we were going to commit to. And I could see how that would really – now, let me ask you this question. In your relationship, did it take you out of the argument and into after you said something positive or – what would kind of happen next? You know, sometimes yes and sometimes no. Um, it didn't always end where we said, you know, the thing I love about you most today is, and then we got to bed and, and you know, problem solved. The biggest thing that it did was it refocused our attention. I'm like, hey, I actually mm. really do love this person, no matter how angry I am. Like, I know they have their good qualities. Funny enough, though, the conference was a day long. I was the last speaker. I closed out the day. Um, and then I got off stage, and I was called back on stage, and he proposed to me on stage. So we got engaged. Um, oh, my gosh. Yes. And then a few months later, he broke off our engagement. And I've been really public about, uh, about, about this and about the breakup and about, and about the grieving process. Now, here's one of the more interesting things. is In the talk, I talk about you want to create your anchors of connection. You want to create these rituals during the mundane, during the times when things aren't going poorly, when things are just fine, because when the inevitable storms hit, these emotional storms, like losing your relationship, you have something Mm. to go back to. You have these anchors of connection to rely on. And I will tell you, I I had never relied on my rituals as much as I did after that breakup. And I have Wow, and this is the ritual with your girlfriends, right? This is the ritual you have with your girlfriends. Exactly. Wow. And it carried me through. Wow. I'm so sorry to hear. Actually, you know what? I'm not sorry to hear about 
your breakup. Because honestly, at the end of the day, the way I live my life, I feel like, you know, that it was a season that we thought was going to last many seasons. But now I'm sure that you've grown through it, being the, the person that you are. And it's so interesting that you, you found a way to even deepen what you, you serve people with, which is this art of connection, deepening that through your grieving process with further supporting the, how important it is to have these connect this, um, this anchor of connection, which speaks to, honestly, ladies, you're listening to this, you have to make sure you have those anchors of connection outside of your relationships. Because I think that, if, I mean, your romantic relationships, because I think if your yeah, rituals yeah. would have all been wrapped around him there, you would have been like, what in the world? Oh, recipe for disaster. Recipe for disaster. No, you, one of the most important things I think we can do, especially as women, is nurture our friendships while in relationships. It is I mean, because we all we all have the friend who disappears when they get into a relationship. Yeah. And what happens when what happens when they break up? Well, you've got to, it's almost like you start from scratch, being like, well, like my feelings are kind of hurt now that you left and you're back because the relationship ended. It is it's so important that when you and when you're starting to date, like I make I am very very clear. You know, I've kind of started to date again, and I'm very clear. Like Monday nights, I just don't go out. I'm not going to cancel my girls' night for a date. Just not going to happen. Wow, wow. Okay, so how has it been dating with you? Like, how do you date? How does Bea date? Like, do you date one guy at a time and you meet him and you just it's totally him and you, or do you do like in my book? I always say, ladies, multiple dates. It's only a date. You'll yeah. go out until you find someone you're interested in. Tell me, how do you date? Oh, girl, this is – so I have a very specific rule that I teach to the people who I coach. It's called the rule uh -huh. of three. Are you so, serious? I have that same oh, yes. rule. But I want you – oh, my God. Oh, yes, this is so good. This Show is me yours. <laughs> I, I want to know – this is going to be great. I'm so curious what, it, what the difference is. Okay, so here's the rule. Okay. The rule is that if, at any given time, if you're, if you're dating, if you're not in a monogamous and not in a monogamous relationship, you should be dating three people at the same time. And here's why. It's twofold. First and foremost, when you date more than one person, you, ha you don't have blinders on. So when, we're, when we all of a sudden get interested in one person, we put blinders on, we're so laser focused on that person, all of a sudden those red flags that are there, we don't really see them. Mm -hmm. They turn into like mm -hmm. orange flags and then no flags at all. <laughs> and all of a sudden we're in a relationship that we never even feel like we signed up for. You could have seen the, the signs coming, but because you were so laser focused on that person, you had no access to that. So there's one mm -hmm. reason. When you start dating three people or more than one person, listen, date five people, date two people, I don't care. The rule of three is just easy to remember. Um, yeah. <laughs> but, when you, but when you date more than one person, all of a sudden you get to see, oh, this person actually cancels a lot, and this person is, is really committed. Huh, this person is really funny. This person doesn't make me laugh as much. Weird, I don't really like the digs this person makes. And like, right, so you get to compare. And then all of a sudden, one person rises to the top, and it's a really cool yes. and natural process. It's amazing. Okay, and then the second reason why you do this is because when you are, when you are 
having a full life, be it with dating, with your friends, with your career, whatever else it is, you are more unavailable. And what happens is it's so easy when you're dating one person to they don't text you for an hour and all of a sudden you're like, why Where's didn't they the text? text? Oh, my start. God. Why didn't he text? Did he not what? like me? I thought he liked me. We had such a great date. I mean, I, I'm just so, oh, I hate dating. <laughs> exactly, exactly. And you get so wrapped up into this, and then you make silly mistakes. You, te- you mm-hmm. text them when you shouldn't. You start getting needy when you actually don't need to be. So when you have, so listen, when you have a guy that you're really, really into, and he doesn't text you back, guess what? You have another guy you can text. You have another person you can go out with. You have your girlfriends that you can spend time with. Exactly. So that's it's how I Absolutely. I love it. Good dating, girl. So are you having fun? To be honest, I'm just starting to date. Like, this is, okay. I'm, like, brand new. Went on my first Bumble date last week. Like, I am, I'm new back in the dating game again. Wow. How long has it been since you and your fiancé have been off? Well, we had been, it's been about eight months since we, since he called it off. We actually ended up trying it again, and it did not work, and that ended about a month ago. So it's pretty new. Um, Got it. And, and, you know, I'm kind of into not dating, too. I'm, I'm, I'm really in the space of, like, whatever happens right now happens. I'm kind of fine with doing me right now because it's been a long time That's since such I a have. powerful place to live. That's such a powerful place to live. You know, I'm in a place that I just want to do me. And I can tell you that I've had some clients that, girls, you're in the space of doing you and that power is there. Because you're not concerned, that's when all of these wonderful male opportunities will come into your life. And But what I love about that is that then you have then the power to decide whether you want to engage or not to engage. So I just love everything that you just said. Now, let me ask you this. You mentioned um, something about the Gottman's Love Lab study. That was so interesting. You said that um, it, was, it, it was something about the Love Lab study by the Gottmans. Oh, it's fascinating. Okay, so so the Gottmans are these, they, they, you know, they're really, they're kind of some of the most famous people in the relationship space. They have been, they're psychologists, they've been at this for a really long time. And they, they are famous for for being able to predict the divorce rate with like 98% accuracy. So wow. what they, yeah, and so what they did was they took people, they took couples, and they put them in something called the love lab where they would watch couples interact. And whether it was just talking about, you know, you know mundane things, day-to-day things, or going through arguments, they kind of went through it with a, with a bunch of couples. I can't remember exactly how many. Um, and what they found was for the couples, um, they called them bids for attention. So with the couples, so with the couples who accepted the other person's bid for attention, um, it was something like seventy percent of the time. And I, I, to be honest, I don't. I, I researched this a while ago, so the the exact stats off the top of my head are are. Mm-hmm. They, I might be like give or take a little bit, but um, mm-hmm. for the people who who accepted the the bids for attention, most of the time those couples stayed married. A bid for attention. And so let would me be, ask you. Okay, you're about you're about to cover a bid for yeah. attention. What it is? Yeah. To, okay, cool. So, mm-hmm. 
So a bid for attention would be something where, you know, you and I are talking and you're like, hey, Bea, look at that bird over there. And I say, oh, wow, that is a really pretty, pretty bird, right? I just accepted your bid. If I decline your bid for attention, it would be, hey, Bea, look at that bird over there. And I either say, oh, come on, Stacey, birds are dumb, or I ignore it, or, mm. you know, right? So it can be anything. It can be it's, – it's literally just we make – we make a number of bids for attention every single day to our friends, to our family, to our partners. When it comes to our partners, when we're making these bids, what we're asking for is show me that you love me. Show me that you're paying attention. Show me that you care. Show me that I am not invisible, right? We're asking all of these things subconsciously. So when somebody so much as literally acknowledges it, just says like, hey, cool, that's a bird, awesome, uh, you know, doesn't even say anything, anything other than that then they've accepted your bid and subconsciously wow. you feel taken care of. That's so true. As simple as that, which is interesting, as simple as that. Yeah, yep, exactly. And we do it all the time and we don't even know we're doing it. And as a partner, a lot of times we don't know that we're neglecting. We don't know that, you know, we can just do something so simple as say, as, as like acknowledge hey, you made a good breakfast, like, right, whatever it is. Um, and, and in the small things that we do, again, comes up again and again, it's the small things that at the end of the day mm-hmm. make the biggest difference. And that's what wow. those little bids are. And they found for the people, for the people, it didn't matter. It didn't matter if these couples were getting into blowout fights, not fighting at all. Really, it was all about the, their bids for connection. Wow. And that's yeah. so true. I'm thinking about conversations even – with my the guy that I'm dating and I'm like you're so just because he acknowledges like I could say hey um there was one point when I would send him a text and he wouldn't respond and that was my bid for attention I'm like I would look back at my phone you know if something happened that day I'd just be like let me text him and I'm like god he didn't respond he didn't respond but then what I noticed well first of all because I'm in this business I communicated that in a healthy fashion and he said, oh, yeah, babe, yeah. you know what, I was, I, yeah, of course, you know, I didn't just let this thing, you know, build. <laughs> and I said, hey, you know, I'm, I'm sending you texts and you're not responding. And he said, oh, my God, he said, I'm getting them. He said, but I'm at work, so I just kind of moved throughout the day. He said, but, and then he started to mention all of these things. He said, but everything that you send me, I read. I remember when you sent me a couple of days ago about one, two, three. I mean, he said, so I don't know what it was, but he was like, yeah, that was really good. And then the other thing that you sent me was whatever. And, oh, he said, you know, wow. and I was listening to him, babe. I was like, oh, okay. And it filled me up because I'm knowing, okay, he just responds because he's working. He's responding to text, but he's not responding to them. He's just trusting that I know she knows I'm going to look at her stuff. And I'm like, no, I didn't. But guess what? If I never would have said, hey, I'm sending you these texts and just taken a personal offense to them and not mentioned it, then that would have probably eventually ended up being something big. But I said, you know what? Let me just say this is what I'm doing. And when he told me that, I was like, oh, okay. And he just listed a, a, like three or four things that I said, but he didn't respond. And how and like like you're saying, listen to how good it made you feel. Something so oh. small just makes you feel seen. It made me feel so good. I just feel so good right now talking about it. I love that. I love that. 
And it's, it's, yes. it really is the small things. It really is the small things. And that's and and really, not only is it these small things, this is a predictor of divorce. So it's mm. it's a big. These small things are a big deal. So the more the people in this love lab study, the more what the Gottmans found is they find that the more couples who didn't respond, who were kind of, they just all oh, blew it off or said something negative, those were the people who ended up in the divorcing from those small things. Exactly. Because they t- exactly. Wow. Interesting. Yep. Interesting. Yes. I find it interesting how you explain attachment style. Yeah. And how your attachment style is a direct reflection of what you saw and felt as a child. Now, that was interesting to me as well. Yeah. So there are four different kinds of attachment styles, and, um, and, and they are generally subconscious. So it's not like we're walking around knowing what our attachment style is. But based off of our attachment style, that's who we choose to be our partners. It's pretty incredible. Um, so there are four types of attachment. The first is secure. And the secure attachment style, this is most of the people. Um, they're generally satisfied in relationships, generally have healthy relationships. Um, they feel that in their relationship, they're, they're secu- it's like their relationship is a secure base for them to explore the world, right? Another kind of attachment style is called anxious preoccupied. Now, mm. this, when, with an anxious preoccupied uh, attachment style, generally speaking, these people have come from parents who were pretty overbearing. Um, and, and for somebody who's anxious, like they are more desperate to form a bond, so they want their partner to kind of like rescue or complete them so they can become kind of clinging or demanding. The next one is called it's dismissive avoidance. So these people come from uh, parents who were often like pretty emotionally unavailable or dismissive, right? And mm-hmm. so these people are emotionally dismissive themselves. Um, so they can be overly focused on themselves. They can, deta- they can feel detached from their partner. Um, the next one is fearful avoidance. So these people are like they're afraid to be too close or too distant. So they can be, you know, basically easily overwhelmed by emotions. So like, you know, the person that they want to go to for, for safety, their partner, is actually the person that they're sure to leave, right? Like they're like so certain that person is going to leave them and so scared mm. to approach them with anything, but that's the person that they want to um, be connected with the most. Um, so these people de- generally have like really dramatic high and lows in these relationships. And for them, their par- parents, were most likely inconsistently available. Um, wow. So the, but one of the, the interesting part about this is that we generally attract the person that is our opposite and will not give us the thing that we crave the most. And this we do subconsciously so that we can play out our patterns because, because as human beings, we're attracted to something that's familiar. So while we might say, oh, I want somebody who is who is super secure, who's just going to be there for me all the time, but we came from parents who, who were not there for us, we're not going to be attracted to somebody that's secure. We're going to be attracted to somebody who reminds us our, of our parents. Again, this is totally subconscious. So, it's, so we can play out this familiar story. Wow. So then how do we – it yeah. does, but it, it's kind of scary because then – how do we, because I could see those people, and, and I have a question. i got to remember this question. But how could we deal with that from a healthy place, though? Because 
if I'm attracted to really the opposite of really what I need, and I'm, the only reason I'm attracted to that is because of how I was raised in my, and, and how I felt as a kid, which is possibly leaning towards some type of dysfunction, then how do I have a healthy romantic relationship when this is not healthy, this a subconscious attraction? Absolutely. So, so this is another reason why it's so important to have a level of self-awareness. Because generally mm-hmm. speaking, like, you're going to listen to these, or your listeners are going to listen to these points, and they're going to relate to one. And if that's the case, or they're going to look at their relationships and be like, whoa, that totally played out in that last relationship. For mm. me, the answer is, is working through it. I love therapy. I love coaches. I'm a huge proponent, whether you're going to therapy or a coach, to really start to work through this. And you can work through this with a partner as well. But to me, what it, what it really takes is a level of consciousness and awareness that, like, oh, a lot of the reason why I'm actually clingy, it's, it's, it's because I'm scared you're going to leave. And when you can start talking about that with your partner on a conscious mm-hmm. level versus like a really scared, wounded level, which can show up as like angry or not wanting your partner to go out with their friends or whatever it is, it can look like, hey, listen, I'm now starting to understand that what happens to me when you, when you go and you hang out with your friends is every time that happens, I feel like I'm going to be left. Right? And then you guys can start mm-hmm. to have a healthy dialogue around it. And again, I am a huge proponent of working through this as a therapist as well. I think it is way harder to do this on your own than it is to work through some of these childhood wounds with a mediator, a professional, somebody who can really support you doing your own work, whether you're single or in a relationship. Got it. I, I, can, I have to agree. I think, that, I think that knowledge is power and self-awareness is power. And I do think that if you're going, if you acknowledge, wow, if I'm one, two, or three, or four. Now, let me ask you this question. Can you be a mixture? Can you sometimes be a one and then be a four? Totally. And then can you kind of mix in and out? Okay. Okay. Yeah, totally. Well, that's- totally. And, and, like, you could be, say, like, secure anxious or secure avoidant, right? Most people are secure with a little bit of anxious, a little bit of, you know, like with a little bit of something else. It's only about, like, 20% of people who are truly truly um, one of the other that aren't secure. So it, 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 it depends. But, but, yeah, most of us are secure. And, and, and really, like, the, the, the people who are more fearful avoidant or dismissive avoidant or anything like that, a lot of that can come from trauma, people who have had trauma in their childhood. So to recognize mm-hmm. that and to know, like, that was not normal behavior to deal with as a kid. There is some trauma there to work through. Just acknowledging that is a really big deal. Exactly. And acknowledging it and then knowing that you're attracted to a person that continuously brings that trauma into your life. So then you can go, oh, I see what that is. I'm just attracted to the trauma or the disappointment that he may bring into my life. So let me acknowledge that and then maybe possibly consider a a, a connection with someone else who does not feed into that negative space of giving me what I'm comfortable with, which it could be the trauma and um, any fear. Exactly. And and what I do really just want to reiterate is this is self-work. This is not, like, knowing this stuff is not meant to then go to your partner and, and, you know, lash out at whatever behavior they have that brings up this behavior. <laughs> oh, you know, God, please don't. Really yeah. bring, right, right? Like, this is, this all, all of this comes down to the self 
work that you do on your own, whether or not you're in a relationship. And then you can bring the, the new awareness that you have into your relationship, and then that can springboard whatever happens in your relationship and the next level of dialogue with you and your partner. But so much of this has to do with you and your own behaviors, not switching your partner's behaviors. Exactly, exactly. Wow. Absolutely incredible information. I love the anchor of connection. <laughs> I do, I do, I do. I love having that ritual with your partner, but having it outside of your partner as well. I love okay. the doctor's love lab study, and I love the four, connect, the four attachment styles. Oh, my gosh. Thank you so much, Bea. Let me ask you, how can my listeners get in contact with you? Maybe they might want to be coached by you. You know, yeah. what is the best way to connect? So my website is bayavoce.com, C-A-Y-A-B-O-C-E.com. And I'm also, if you're, if you're a social media person, I spend most of my time on Instagram, and I'm just at Bea underscore Voce. So Bea, B-A-Y-A, Voce, B-O-C-E. So, and you can shoot me a message. I, I love talking to people on there. I've really connected to my audience. So um, I would love to connect. I love it. I love it. I love it. Thank you so much. I really appreciate you. This is amazing. And I, I absolutely Thank think you. this information is going to be, um, be something that, that really my listeners can take and move their life in a direction of positivity and continuing to connect and knowing how to connect. So thank you so much, okay? Absolutely. And, hey, I just want to acknowledge you for putting out this podcast and being such an amazing voice for women. And, and it's, it's so important, and I just really, I really love and am inspired by your work. So thank you. Oh, thank you so much. Yay, y'all. And I didn't pay her yeah. to say that. Okay. <laughs> thank you, Bea. Have a great day. And I'll make sure I email you everything when we put it up. Oh, perfect. Thank you so much, Stacey. Okay, have a great day. Bye-bye. You too. Bye, love all right everybody oh my gosh this is my favorite segment of the show i say this every week i know you're like girl we know already it's the ask stacy j segment and what that is is it's basically an opportunity for me to answer your questions real questions from real people i'm so excited when ladies send us questions so justina what do we have today what's our first question all right, Stacey, this is from Ashley. When is the right time for the topic of marriage to come up in a relationship? Well, I think that it's interesting. She said in a relationship. If you're already in a relationship, then the topic of marriage should have come up before you've made it a committed relationship. The reason why is you want to make sure that the value system and, and your vision for your life is in the same, is moving in the same direction as whoever you are in this or anticipating or possibly considering being in a relationship with. So the worst time to do it is after it is a relationship, a committed relationship, because what if he says, you know what, I don't really want to get married. You know, I just want to have one girl, I can be committed to you, but married is not what I'm interested in. And you're the girl who really wants him to put a ring on it. It's, it's kind of, it's a firestorm already. That's a huge red flag. So for me, okay. the, the conversation needs to come up before you make it a committed relationship. Hmm. That's very, that's very good to know. It's, it's almost like sometimes, it's hard to bring up marriage because you don't want to think I'm rushing into this or I'm jumping the gun, but hmm, it's interesting how you put that. I like that. Well, you know what? You know what? 
maybe thinking of, think about it like this, Justina, and everyone listening. You're not bringing up marrying him. You're bringing up your vision for your life is. You're not saying, oh, yeah, I'm ready to get married to you because you've been a person well enough, right? You're still exploring. You're still getting to know him. You're saying this, the vision for my life is in five years I would absolutely want to be married or in three years, whatever that vision is. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So you're not saying him. You're saying the vision for your life. And when you right. are getting to know someone and you are building a friendship or whatever with them, with the likelihood of possibly ending up in a relationship, depending on how things work out, what's wrong with giving your vision for your life? You regard. Who cares what they think? I could care yeah. less. If he thinks something about the vision for my life, then whatever he thinks, that should move him closer to the door now than later. And I appreciate <laughs> quick do- moves to the door. You see what I'm saying? Don't waste my time. Yeah. You see what I'm saying? Yes. Girl, if you're going to go to the door that quick from that, then boo, guess what? If I would have sat here six months and say what my vision for my life was to be married in the timetable that I want for my life, then you would have ended up wasting my time. I would have probably done like 90% of the women that say, oh, he took my time. No, he didn't take your time. You gave him your time (laughs) because you sat on something that meant a lot to you and never voiced it because you're insecure and you don't know the woman that you have, the power that you have. Absolutely. Absolutely. Oh, those are the keys. (laughs) 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 All right. Sorry. Next question how yes. do you know you found the perfect guy or girl for you well first of all no one's perfect and the reason I really look at these words when these people send these questions is and it's because they're telling their minds this I want the perfect guy and if you keep mm. fueling your minds with things that don't exist then you're going to be single for the rest of your life so let me Just say that nobody is perfect. But how do you know you found a guy or girl who you want to connect yourself with and they are compatible with you? Well, it's just, I I say it goes back to those old days of just letting the time pass and getting to know a person as a friend. Like, I'm really on this friendship tip. Like, I know y'all are tired of me saying it, but we jump into these relationships. You, You should have three or four multiple dating friends that you're dating at one time. And then what will happen after that is that you'll have, hopefully, you're being courageous about the vision you have for your life and not keeping it to yourself. And you're giving this information to all of these guys. And what will happen is one will, one will rise and the other two will fall. One will rise mm-hmm. to the top and the other two will fall. Or two will rise and you'll go, okay, mm-hmm. So which one is in more alignment with my goals, my values, my morals, what I see for the vision of my life? And then you'll choose that one because you do have to make a choice. Dating multiple men is not you date multiple men for the rest of your life. You, you ultimately choose the person who is a square. If you are a square, he is a square. It's not like he's a circle and you're a square. And that you get to know over time. Unfortunately, again, I, I always go back to say we were rushing into so much stuff because we, we want it right now, and then, you know, it all goes to hell in a handbasket after that. But you know the perfect guy. <laughs> I'm sorry. You know the perfect yeah. guy. But first of all, allowing yourself to date multiple people without any intimacy. And then you'll see 
through conversations, getting to know people who will rise to the top and be, if you know, if you want a man that's dependable, inspiring, complimentary, enhancing, they all won't be that. They all, some of them will look at you like, what in the world? Why is she doing that? If you are dating someone who is judging you or trying to change you and you're dating another guy that says, oh, my gosh, I like everything about you, you know what I'm saying? Then, okay, the one that's trying to change you, you know, oh, that ain't the one. So that's how you know you found the, the guy that's compatible. You're having a conversation. The only thing that happens usually is we're not having conversations about the shit that matters. We're having conversations mm. about where we going to visit, where we going to travel, okay. you know, when I'm going to see you next. Are you going to cook dinner for me? What do you like to cook? What do you like to eat? None of that shit really matters to what really happens when you get to know and <laughs> you are in a relationship with somebody. People need to, I haven't released it yet, but I have my dating journal coming out. There's a list of questions in there that you can ask one through five dates, five through ten dates, and ten plus dates that will give you the information that you need to really make a real decision about who you want to give your time to in a monogamous relationship. Most of the times we're not doing that. Oh, Lord, these Ask Dates and J questions. I'm sorry, y'all. I'd just be on ten <laughs> because I just want you all to get it. I just so want you all to get it. And I guess I've been on the other side of not getting it to where now that I'm on the other side, I want some women over here getting it, knowing your power, knowing what you walk around with. You don't have to sleep with any of these guys. If you are, guess what? They're not, they're boys. They're men boys. They're not real men. Real men don't care about that kind of stuff. Real men want to see you walk in your power. Real men are ready to not – they're real men don't even want you to compromise what you want for your life. Real men are going to say, yes, go out there, Justina, be the powerful sister that you want, and go stand back and, 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 and revel in you winning. That's a real man. He's not going to make you make your choices about that. That's a real man. But if you got a man boy, then absolutely. Absolutely. Okay, I'm sorry, girl. Oh, I love it. I am just being fed over here. (laughs) (laughs) All right. That is all of our questions for this segment. Um, Stacey, do you have anything to leave us with? I think I left it all on the table, girl. I just just left it all on the table. I just want us, you know, I have a heart for single women, and I have a heart for empowering them, and I just really – you know, as I travel and as I speak, and, you know, even as you are my mentee and things like that, I just, I just want us to wake up and know that we are so powerful and we can truly attract the love we desire and deserve by putting us first and that real men don't want you to compromise any part of yourself for him. They just don't. They, a real man wants to know that you are independently happy without him and with him. He doesn't want you mm. to need him for his happiness. And, you know, girl, I could go going on and on. So thank you all for listening yeah. <laughs> to this Ask ACJ segment because I, someone said recently on, on Facebook that they could see me next becoming a pastor, a pastor, a love pastor. I said, I think <laughs> I'm already close to it. <laughs> Keep listening, guys. We have some more stuff for you coming up. All right, ladies. So this is one of my favorite and most 
precious part of the show. It's Tea Time with Tina with, of course, me, Tina, and Stacey J chiming in on some of the who's who, who's dating who, pop culture. Uh, this week, let's talk about Mr. Ricky Martin. Mr. Living La Vida Loco is finally jumping the broom. He's 46, and he is engaged to a Syrian woman who is 36. So they have about a good 10 years in difference. Um, Stacey, have you heard the latest news on Ricky Martin? You know what? I love Ricky Martin. I just think he has so much personality, and I and I honestly, I like the age gap with him. I don't know why. It just feels right. It feels good. And I don't think he's ever been married, so you know, with him, he may want kids, you know, I'm thinking possibly. So have, marrying someone 36, that gives you the opportunity, of course, women are having children later, Janet Jackson, Halle Berry, and all the others. But for him, you know, he's like, let me get one 10 years younger. And there's some rumor about, you know, when a, marry, a man marries a woman 10 years younger, there's something I don't know, some bad rumor probably because I'm not 10 years younger than my (laughs) man. So anyway, (laughs) but I mean, you know, hey, I'm happy for Ricky Martin, you know? I am too. And I feel like, you know, once you've lived life and you've gotten all the things you want, if you want to go ahead and get married and tie the knot, why not? So congratulations to Ricky Martin and his new fiance. Um, All right. Next. Up the weekend and Selena Gomez. So the two singers have been spotted are walking around Hollywood wearing each other's clothing. Selena Gomez was spotted this past week wearing the weekend's famous jacket, and the paparazzi went all crazy for it. Recently, the two have been dating uh, for a few months now. The weekend recently broke up with model superstar Gigi, and Selena Gomez was once with Justin Bieber. So it's nice to see these two starting a new relationship. They're both young. They're both pop stars in Hollywood. What do you think about it, Stacey? Have you seen the pictures of The weekend and Selena? Yeah, you know what? I love both of them. I think they make a great – I mean, I don't know them personally, but I think they make, they make a great couple from what I have seen them do and the energy of each one of them. The only thing that concerns me is, you know, they recently just had these breakups with Gigi and Justin. And for me, it's kind of like you, you, after you make a, after you bring so much of your relationship to the public eye and then meaning their past relationship. And then now four months later, here you are, Hey, I'm dating someone else. I just always think it's always healthier to just really be friends first, you know, especially when it is so close to a breakup, um, to be friends first and to cultivate that friendship because at the end of the day, we all see relationships that come and go. We all have fallen in love and fallen out of love, and it's harder for people who are in the public eye because we see so much of it because of the paparazzi. I just kind of, although I am so happy that they're having fun and she's wearing his clothes and stuff like that, I would have just really liked to have seen them single and, and be friends for a minute and not as engaged in each other's lives. There's nothing wrong with taking it slow. We are a, a society wants to rush everything, and I just feel like 
you know, relationships suffer because we rush through everything. Get to know each other, you know, and it's not saying that they're not getting to know each other, but it's just, you know, the whole clothes ordeal and her wearing its clothes. It's just too much put on it right now, and it makes it harder to really develop and cultivate a healthy romantic relationship with, you know, the whole clothes thing. I don't know. I, I'm not really feeling that, but I wish him well. <laughs> you know, I'm a girl that I'm a girl that loves love. You know, but I love healthy love. So we'll see where it goes. Yeah, I think the two are, you know, just enjoying each other. I I can't imagine. I'm not a superstar, but you know, working in that industry, it probably does get lonely. So maybe that's why so many people are speeding things up. But we wish the best. I'll be keeping my eye on things. Thanks, Stacey, for your comments. And that's all with Tea Time with Tina today. But stay tuned because there's always more tea. All right, ladies, this is the end of the show. I hope you have learned so much. I constantly learn with each and each episode you know, just how to be myself and, and date. So I hope I hope you are out there learning the same thing. Today, Stacy, we have another one of your Stacyism. And it says a guy that is really into you will go out of his way to show you that he's into mm. you. Oh my goodness, this is so important. A guy that really wants to keep you will put in any effort to keep you. A man that mm. wants to be with you and only you will show you that it's all about you and your happiness. Let him show you what he's got. Oh, my Girl. God. You hit this on Woo. the nail. <laughs> Let me tell you something, Justina. If I was in church, you know how the late church lady put her finger up and she walked around the church, <laughs> the whole perimeter of the church. Girl, let me tell you yes. something. Ladies, anytime a woman comes to me and says, Stacey, but I, we've been dating this since the time, and I want to go to him and say, why aren't you, you know, wanting to commit to me? Girl, what are you doing? He don't want mm. you. That's why he's not committed to you. Just believe <laughs> that. Ain't no conversation you got to have. Yes. Oh, my God. A guy that is really into you, you will know it. You know why? Because men, first of all, they want you to know that he mm -hmm. is interested in a commitment with you. He don't want you out there in them streets you know, thinking you're no. single or whatever. He wants to lock you down, and he will let you know. It won't be about assumption. You won't be like, well, you know, he invited me in to meet his mom. Are we? No, he will say, look, I'm in this for the long haul. I mm -hmm. want you to know that I want to be with you. I want you to know that your happiness is important to me, and not only will he say it, his actions will speak it as well. So make sure you Amen. listen with your eyes and not just your ears. Okay? Yes. Oh, my God. Just, man, that was a good one, girl. Got me preaching <laughs> up in here. Oh, my yes. God. preaching up in this studio, girl. Hallelujah. Okay, so, <laughs> ladies, as always, you know, when I'm ending the show, I end with my single girl, one million single women empowerment pledge. And hopefully by now, duh, you have it committed to memory. So, of course, let's say it together with our eyes closed, breathing in through our nose and out through our mouth. And let's say it. I am a single woman. I am not desperate and I am not depressed. And I am not just settling for any man who comes my way, no matter how many more women there are to men. I accept love in my life the right way, my way, from a man who deserves me. Mm. Yes. 
Let that marinate for that. a minute. And ladies, as you journey, always remember in this singlehood, I am you. You are me. And we are one. So make sure we honor each other as we venture out into this wonderful journey in our lives. Have an amazing week. Yes, follow us on all of our social media pages. Check out Stacey J's website, Just Date Girl, and just date. Have fun. Yes, we'll see absolutely. you soon. All right, <laughs> see you next time. Bye. That will conclude this evening's entertainment. It's time to go. What? Wait a minute. We're not going. Huh? Loved this episode of Stacey J sounding off? Head over to JustDateGirl.com and subscribe, rate, and leave a review on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, or tune in from our web address. Don't forget to sign up to our newsletter to receive free giveaways and invites to Stacey J's events held across the country.